I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. I am talking with film producer, director, and veteran Martin Leroy of After Eight Films. Martin, welcome to the show, and thank you for agreeing to share your art, your vision, and talking transitions with me. Now, Martin, I met you on Instagram, and that's at martinleroy underscore. So please follow Martin on Instagram. That's at martinleroy underscore. And what stood out to me was that all of your short films had a very distinctive style. Now, what is that style called, and how did you develop that look, that feel, and that composition? For me, I would call it is more or less like a fashion-oriented style shooting because I started out with a concept based mainly on fashion films. Okay. And uh, as I progressed, I kind of started gravitating towards uh, more storytelling type kind of fashion films. My aim was to kind of try and get into both short film shooting and long feature and uh, music videos. So that's how I kind of developed my style. Nice, nice, nice. What was, I'd say, the most surprising thing that you learned as you worked through your style? Because, of course, there's so many styles out there and it's so easy to just copy. But again, yours is very distinct. And I love that you kind of gave us some of the history. But what also did you add to make sure you were different enough from the other uh, filmmakers out there? One thing I realized as, as uh, I was shooting was um, most of the fashion style shooting lacked uh, a storyline basis for it. So mm. you have more or less a story about a product rather than a story about the, the person behind the product or any storyline attached to any of the shooting per se. So right. you'd have maybe a model just walking through a scene or something of sort. So what I started doing was adding a, sto- a story, scripted story to what I was shooting. So that created a different thing, but mainly because I think when I started out, my thing was to eventually start shooting music videos. And with music videos, you cannot need a storyline to shoot one. Right. So right. That kind of influenced how I was shooting my fashion films. And after a while, I kind of realized that I was doing something totally different from everybody else. And also how I shot my angles and everything was mainly inspired by more of cinematography kind of angle and stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I would look at people like Bradford Young, with uh, the cinematographer for like one of the black cinematographers out there. So yeah. that's kind of Hitchcock's people like that. So I would kind of use what they did and try and in kind of put that into my films too. So it was, that's what really kind of built my style. Okay. Okay. And is it a medium that you have to continue to look and model and learn from others? Or once you find your signature style, you just kind of get better at the storytelling within the style? Right now, my focus is more or less like building stories as opposed to just shoot, because I kind of now know how I shoot, because the main thing is usually the technical part, you know, as as soon as you kind of find your technical footing, then for me personally, how I'm moving or progressing forward is in building like larger stories and uh, bigger productions, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And which is more fun for you, the shooting or the editing? 
I would say the shooting. The editing is a little bit complex sometimes and a little bit frustrating considering like when you're shooting, you're just pointing the camera and making sure the angles are correct, right? Right. Then when you get into the editing thing, then you have to kind of bring the whole story together and then sometimes it becomes what you wanted. Sometimes it changes into something else, maybe good, sometimes bad. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Now, a little bit more about you. You split your time between Canada and the U.S., particularly in the northwest of the continent. Are you originally from this area? Uh, no, I was uh, raised in uh, Kenya and uh, moved to the States when I was uh, 20 years old. Okay. So that kind of uh, also influences my kind of my art a little bit because I started out in the music industry in Kenya. Oh, wow. And moved to the States when I was 20, went to college when I was 21 in Florida, full cell actually to be precise, um, the university uh, in uh, Winter Park, um, Florida, which mm-hmm. is Orlando, really. So that's how I got involved with shooting to begin with. So I started out as an events shooter, mainly for my brother's uh, band in Florida. And then... I was manager slash uh, producer slash slash, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I started. That was uh, over 16 years ago. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So lots of history, lots of experience, and then just continuing to grow. Now, my next question is, what did Navy life introduce you to that you feel shows up in your filming and directing? For me, one thing I loved about the Navy was the traveling and the understanding of different cultures. And because I was on a smaller ship, we were able to go to ports which a lot of bigger ships would not go to. So that meant I've been to over 20 countries in Asia and Latin America. So that kind of opened my eyes, considering I was originally from Africa. So I had been to the continent, as they call it sometimes, the motherland. And I'd also now, through the Navy, been in Latin America and Asia, and I kind of realized that the, as much as we think we are different, we are all mm. the same. The problem is because of the lack of understanding of each other, we kind of separate ourselves. And when I came back actually from Panama, um, I was kind of inspired to start shooting and trying to create stories that kind of linked communities and cultures. So that kind of wow. really influenced my thinking in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely shows up in your filmmaking the diversity, the rich stories. So hearing that background really helps me connect the two. Now, what do you see currently? Because there's been this big renaissance in more diversity in films on a global scale. Do you see that continuing? What do you think filmmakers, directors, even writers need to continue to do to make sure that that diversity stays and things don't shift back to how it always was? The shift back is something I'm, I'm afraid of, especially with the success of I just read yesterday. Black Panther just hit a billion dollars in sales like as of yesterday. My fear is with big successes like that, it's hard to keep up the momentum. Mm. So it's so easy to kind of uh, fall back into old habits because film and necessarily Hollywood is driven by profits. Right. The rest of the next movie kind of flakes and doesn't, falls behind the billion-dollar markets. Everybody's like, oh, it's it was a fluke, you know, it's a one-time thing. So I'm afraid of that in that the, it was such a big success and it mm-hmm. was kind of like 
held up as the thing that kind of paved the way for everything else. So it's a little bit scary. But the future, in terms of big movies, that's my fear. But in terms of the independent uh, lens, it's a little bit different because uh, with access to digital cinematography, it changes who can tell a story. And then with social media, it now puts tools into people like myself, or uh, tools into, or rather, um, we now have the tools to kind of share our own stories and tell our own stories. And that's something really that you can't really change that, you know? So yeah. there's yeah. no going back, <laughs> backwards <laughs> with social media and uh, independent lenses and just independent shooting. There's no way you can go back with that. So that the hope is, for me, is in uh, independent filmmaking as opposed to the Hollywood big budget film stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely see that where you will have the rise of the creator you know, people who know that they have the skills to tell stories that's unique from their vantage point versus the machine, so to speak, business as usual. How do we have the most people show up to the movie theaters? And I think we're going to start seeing a good mix because as I study YouTube and, and spaces like that, Vimeo, as you mentioned, different social platforms, Instagram being one, you have creators with millions of views on shorter works. And they're being more viewed than some of your top actors and actresses because of the unique way that digital storytelling and digital cinema right now has allowed. And I love that you kind of gave us an insider's viewpoint about, yeah, Black Panther, huge success, but we don't want to lose the momentum that points to the diversity that it really brought to the forefront. Yeah. Now, who would you say has been some of your biggest inspirations, you know, as you've created films, as you've launched films, you know, as you've studied films, who do you pull from? My biggest uh, pull, like starting off, because uh, growing up in Kenya, like the only things we'd see which really reflected anything close to something somebody would be able to do because it wasn't, you'd see it, it's, yeah, it's a big budget, but it's maybe doable. Was Hype Williams, you know, mm-hmm. with the hip hop music videos and stuff back in the 90s and stuff, right? And then obviously Director X. But as I kind of grew into it, there were a couple of other people I kind of looked up to, especially later on after the industry in Kenya kind of matured later. So we had a producer called Ted Josiah who moved from music production into film production. So mm-hmm. he kind of influenced how. I progressed at a more personal level, but more at a technical level after, obviously, because if somebody inspires you to get into something, which was him, yeah. then I moved into more of the technical side. So I looked more at uh, Kubrick and Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with mm-hmm. Hitchcock specifically, when I was in school, these lessons you have in school and you don't really take it seriously, but it kind of, you hear it, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really mean anything at the time. And then now when I got back into shooting seriously, especially from last year, I started looking back at my notes, my classes, looking back at the history of Hitchcock and then discovering Kubrick and then Bradford Young. So it kind of the combination of Hype Williams, Director X, uh, Ted Josiah from Kenya, Kubrick, uh, Hitchcock, uh, Bradford Young. That's what has really kind of influenced how I shoot and how I look at film in general. Oh, wow. Wow. So now that kind of expands what I take away from watching many of your films on Instagram, you do have more, not just the storytelling, but you do have more of this 
I'd say almost throwback feel to more romance yeah. versus just boom, this is what I'm telling you about. Here's yeah. the here's the message. You know, yeah. and I and I think that's one of the things I picked up just watching some of your films over and over and over again, trying to understand your style. It was like, man, this is I mean, it's short, but it's it's rich. Like you said, I'm not letting the product tell the story. I'm letting you walk through the moment with each character. And you could kind of hear the soundtrack to this character's life. So that's pretty powerful now that you talk about your notes and your training and your inspiration. And there's something else I'd like to add to that is uh, the shortness of it. It's Instagram has forced me to learn how to tell a story in a very short time frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> without kind of leaving anything out. So I have 60 seconds to present everything in a single story. Oh, wow. So that has made my shooting really kind of <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How has that changed how you storyboard? Actually, for me, I don't storyboard. Like wow. what I do is I write out a script of what I want to shoot and because I'm the one shooting and I'm the one that editing and I'm the one directing. It's kind of easier for me to go to a scene like yesterday I was shooting a music video and I had the script laid out to shooting the sky train. They have uh, what it calls, which is mainly subways, like in the States we call that subways. But uh, here it's more or less uh, sky trains because the overhead is not like... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, yesterday I was shooting and um, the thing is I had the script down, everything scripted out and then I realized, okay, the certain things that could change around and move. So the storyboarding to me limits the capacity of an artist to do what they can be able to do on a whim on set. Mm. And because you're kind of stuck to a certain kind of like, hey, I need this angle. This is how I storyboarded it. This is how it works, you know. And that's something like I would defer with somebody like Hitchcock because Hitchcock would say, he doesn't need to do the job on the set. He would do the job in the office and then go out and do the job in the field off of what he did in the office. Mm. So everything he would do, he'd do the mistakes. You'd say he'd do his mistakes in the, in the office and then go into the field and not do any mistakes. But for me, I kind of look like that's kind of really limiting mm. sometimes because yeah. you can storyboard and do stuff, but you need to have some wiggle room to play around and do stuff. So, and maybe I do that because I don't have a budget, like a big budget and a big boss over my head yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm able to get away with playing around and stuff. And for me, because it's 60 seconds and I don't have a budget and maybe I'm kind of like working with people who only have maybe four hours. So I have to shoot everything in four hours, including not storyboarding and wow. speaking to the script already. So it's a little bit challenging, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. 10 years from now, are you going to be directing movies, commercials? Do you have a different vision for your studio? What I want to do is uh, I'm pushing more towards uh, movies uh, now. Uh, If you look at my, because I release uh, at least three videos every week. Uh, That's my my push. And uh, I'm moving towards deeper storytelling now. So I'm kind of like building up to start shooting like uh, more short films, you know, like more 20, 20 minute uh, short forms and eventually venture into full, full feature. But my thing is to be able to get my thinking in terms of my perspective of life and multiculturalism into how I shoot. So as I direct moving forward, it's going to be more multiculturalism and more diversity in how I shoot film and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm heading to. 
Powerful, powerful. Now, let's talk about your Navy transition for a moment. When I say one word answer, military transitions, what one word would you say? Painful. <laughs> Painful. Okay, let's unpack that. Didn't so, expect it. <laughs> the, well, the thing for me, as I say before, it's kind of like the transition from the States to Canada. It, was, it looks easy because we're so close to each other. But the dynamics of doing that from my VA medical appointments to just getting paperwork for my transition out was a little bit difficult. Although like between where I am in Vancouver and Seattle is about three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And that distance created a situation whereby, for example, the VA appointments you'd have like maybe they'll call you up and say, hey, you have uh, an appointment like uh, in 24 hours, you know. So considering it's like a four, three hour drive, they would say, okay, you have a medical appointment. There's an island out here called Victoria. So in Victoria, there's a naval base, which is sometimes used by the Americans and the Canadians. Mm-hmm. So uh, like they would send you out there for your medical. So that was a little bit interesting. And then the fact that I was moving to a whole different country, although it's four hours away, the complications in getting your paperwork done for the travel portion yeah. of traveling with household goods was another interesting thing. It took me a year. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. And something else I'll tell a lot of people now, and I used to tell this because before I got out, I was actually working at, um, at transitional unit. So transit, everybody coming out of Japan and Guam, out of uh, the Navy. One thing I'll tell people is education, looking at the experiences people were getting, getting out, is you need to at least have some form of education when you're getting out. And beyond that, because what I've realized, because getting a job, a nine-to-five has been really interesting and difficult. Partly for me, is a little bit different because I have two master's degrees. So at some point, I had to tone down my resume and just write an associate's degree. Oh, wow. And it reached a point. That's why I started shooting more is because I got frustrated and I was like, okay, if nobody wants to hire me, then screw it. Let me just start doing my own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's really what inspired me to start doing more of the videos. Right, right. So, so, so wow, wow. Painful. <laughs> and you did break down some of the challenges from the dual nature of your citizenship, yeah. you know, coming back for appointments, moving, you know, to a new country. Just the reality that for many, your educational level intimidates them and the process of them not wanting to connect and partner with someone like yourself to, you know, expanding your vision for your storytelling, for your filmmaking, because you understand that you have gifts that you can't limit based on just how things currently are. So that was powerful. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. I am talking with Martin Leroy. Follow him on Instagram and that's at Martin Leroy, M-A-R-T-I-N-L-E-R-O-Y underscore. Martin is a filmmaker, director, and veteran who has been pulling this into visual storytelling. Martin, as an insider, I know you talk briefly about the future of film, more people having access to it, especially to cameras to tell their stories visually. Do you still see the price of technology coming down as fast as it has been and that being a driver for more people getting into film? Or do you still think that, you know, there is a price point that keeps people away from being able to tell their stories through film? Because I look sometimes at smartphones and I say, hey, can you tell a a credible story using a smartphone? Some would say no, some would say yes. 
yeah. has your you know insider perspective been? Here's a catch. Um, when uh, let's say you're trying to compete with people like myself, because like my investment is about like ten grand, which is another thing with TSP. I used my TSP to invest back into buying more equipment. Oh wow! So that's how I was able to invest into my equipment. So when you're competing with someone like me and you have your cell phone, the, the problem is necessarily not the shooting and the equipment at this point. Sometimes it's the post production. Mm. So you need to understand your post production, and beyond that is your marketing. And I come into this really a little bit different from most people because I started out marketing music. Yeah, and then moved into I have a master's in internet marketing, and then I have a master's in public relations. Oh wow! Well, I'm coming into it in a very, in a, <laughs> at a different level than most. So with cell phones, as you said, yes, you can produce with them, but make sure you know your post production. This the biggest obstacle moving forward for a lot of people is going to be post production ability. And when I say post production, you can edit and edit good, but where it hits people and people kind of fall apart is when your shooting was not done correctly. Mm. Then you go into post production and you kind of correctly. So that means that film look or that clean digital uh, look you see in a lot of music videos, you cannot obtain that because you either you didn't do your lighting correctly and then you go into post-production and maybe you don't have the necessary plugins or the skill to edit your thing correctly and then you go into color correction. And then most importantly, if you're doing a feature or a short film, the music, because music kind of plays a huge role in that. So you have to go back and either buy the music or talk to your friend who's maybe a producer to produce a music for you. It's beyond just having that cell phone and shooting. And then obviously, if you're not a good writer like myself, I can write, but I'm not like the best writer. So I have to partner up with people who can write scripts, like something Alfred Hitchcock used to also do, which was use a good, you'd write a synopsis and then you'd find writers who'd kind of bring his story to life and then we work with the writers to actually come up with the final product and then go ahead and do the shooting or the storyboarding and then the shooting yeah. so, so it's beyond just having a cell phone and that's where a lot of people kind of start falling apart and that's why as much as film or rather digital cinematography is more accessible to a lot of people those steps kind of uh, it's like barriers to entry right there. You know? yeah yeah powerful powerful i love that you you know just took the time to break that down because uh, one of the things that I'm concerned with is that, yes, we want more people to tell their stories. What we don't want to do is cheapen the medium. And I think at times, because so many people want to be in the space and want to be a star, so to speak, we cheapen what we're producing and the stories we're telling, and it hurts the industry as a whole. Yeah. What I would say is sometimes less is more. Oh. So at some point, uh, so some, somebody was uh, saying the other day is a lot of the stuff I'm producing on my Instagram, a lot of people sometimes don't understand it. And by the time people understand, because like when I started shooting, like last year, even at that point, very few people, a lot of models was working with out of Vancouver, did not understand why I would do a fashion film because they're so used to like photography. You right, know, right. Like 
click, 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 uh, magazine feature, end of story. But with fashion form, it was like, what are you trying to do, you know? So as you said, less is more like, and I'm at an advantage right now that most people don't understand what uh, fashion form really entails. It's, there's no point to it to a lot of people. So as I'm doing it, it doesn't really, there's no much competition for it and stuff like that, right? But as you're saying, like the more people start doing it, then more it becomes kind of like, oh, it's like everybody else. And that's why I'm fighting to move more into storytelling because it's harder to tell a story in 60 seconds than it is to just have some fashion film, you know. Uh, going back to your, your topic of like uh, cheapening the product, uh, that's something I've seen, especially with hip-hop music videos and a lot of people shooting that stuff. So you have a lot of, as a Director X would, would call them, like a lot of copycats. Mm. <laughs> you know? mm. Mm. But, uh, I was listening to his um, talk because he was uh, actually mentored by Hype Williams. And uh, what he was saying is when they started out their inspiration, and this is where I even, I was like, wow, like when I started shooting, I didn't know this, but the inspiration for a lot of music videos was based off of fashion magazines. Oh, wow. So when they started shooting, that's what they would mirror. And then a lot of people started copying what they would do, not necessarily understanding where they had started from. Yeah. And because there was no YouTube or social media for people to hear that part of their story, people would just look at their work and then go ahead and try and do what they were doing. So you'd right. see a lot of things that looked the same, but at some point you're like, it missed something. There was a mark that kept on missing. You know? Yeah. So uh, as you're saying with, with the, the chipping of the thing is that the pro now you have is a lot of people getting in one either looking at other people's work for inspiration and then missing the mark. And then two, because um, I was even at, at the university I was in, there was a lot of like media production, but not everybody who goes for art is actually an artist. Uh-huh. Not to be an artist, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. It goes, so the saying also goes, not everybody with a digital cinematography platform or ability to shoot actually has the talent to shoot. So yeah. Yeah. It got catch 22, so yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is a catch 22. And I, I mean, as simple as it is, I never considered that, yeah, you did go to school for cinematography, for videography, but that doesn't mean you're an artist. It just means you got the training. It's just like saying you want to be a professional athlete. Yeah, just because you can play the game doesn't mean you can play at the pro level. Yeah. So I love the reminder that maybe there's opportunities for you to partner. Maybe you'd be an incredible director, Maybe your piece is the writing. Maybe your piece is the lighting. Maybe you're the financier because yeah. you want to be a part of that industry, but you don't have to cheapen the art by, you know, just continuing to copy without going deep because there's a different level of connection to the work for those who know that this is what they need to be doing. And I think we're seeing that in some of the Renaissance films that are being made right now. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask, you know, as films become, again, more inclusive, more global, um, what do you hope to see more of in this almost rebirth of film? I would like to see, like, personally, like, a lot of people like us give back to places we have come from, especially, like, somebody like me, I'm originally from Kenya, to kind of give back to the film industry back there. Because yesterday, before, actually before this interview, I was kind of just going back through my notes and everything. And I did not know who Bradford uh, Young's uh, inspiration was. 
I realized his name was uh, Haley Guriyama. Haley Guriyama is uh, a Howard uh, University from professor. Oh, wow. And what I did not know about him, he's actually from Ethiopia. Oh, wow. So uh, that kind of like was a light bulb moment in showing that a lot of us, when we make it out here, we don't give back to the societies we come from. And something I'm also seeing, I hope that's not the case. Lupita Nyong'o, she's from Kenya and stuff. But at, I hope at some point, or even like Idris Eber and his uh, Nigerian background and stuff like that, you know, at least he did beast of a nation. You know? So we need to kind of cultivate that. And I hope with the rise of Black Panther, people can cultivate that. Because there's a lot of stories to be told from the continent. There's a lot of stories to be told from cultures, deep cultures like Japan, China, you know. So I'm hoping that as we progress, we move more into kind of building up these structures to go beyond the Hollywood story. Yeah, so, I love that. I love that. That's what I'm wishing for. So get beyond just what we're being sold, the big budget sells, and connect a pipeline to where we're from so that those stories can continue to bubble up to the surface and be told. I love yeah. that. As we prepare to close, what is a must-see movie that you'd recommend or any books that you're reading? And um, I'd love to hear, you know, just your parting words of wisdom. Again, I'm talking with Martin Leroy. Please follow him on Instagram. That's at Martin Leroy, M-A-R-T-I-N-L-E-R-O-Y underscore. So Martin, again, any must-see movies, must-read books? What are your parting um, words of wisdom? Oh, no. More kind of like, hey, inspiration for for Black film guys and all that stuff. Black Panther is a must watch. But generally, for considering I'm on a vet show, I would highly recommend uh, 12 Strong. 12 Strong is pretty cool. Like uh, the directing, the actors and everything. So that, that's, that was interesting. I actually went to the premiere of it like for the critics and everything. That was pretty interesting. And then... Um, what I just finished reading, which I advise everybody who's ever served to get a book and read, is uh, The 48 Laws of Power. Oh, wow. That is important because we come out of the military with uh, a lot of leadership skills for those who wanted to learn because not everybody <laughs> in the military has as we've said before, not everybody who goes into something is actually talented to do the job mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the military is twofold. It's, it's the discipline and actually threefold. is the discipline. It's obviously the fighting part of it and then there's the leadership part of it. You know? yep. So some people go in because they're, I, we used to call it in the Navy, who yell, the Marines just say hoorah. You can be all hoorah and be a fighter but lack leadership skills you know, mm-hmm. or lack the vision. So I'm hoping as you get out that the fighting thing is not really there in the civilian world. What the civilian world needs is uh, foresight leadership. So 48 Laws of Power, good book to read for any military vet. Wow, wow, wow. Love that, love that, love that. Now, what do you think, especially for veterans? You know, I've met a couple who have went into acting. I've seen some uber successful veterans in acting, filmmaking, what would you say if a veteran's listening and they're like, you know what, I think transitioning into filmmaking is what I need to do. What would you have them do first? My thing, you need to choose an area you want to get good at. So if it's acting, then find people who are actors and kind of 
sought some advice from them. Like recently, I just started doing uh, background work for a couple of shows out here, you know, and um, in Vancouver because we call we call Vancouver like the Hollywood North because a lot of productions are coming out here, right? Especially a lot of DC Marvel productions are being shot out here. By doing that, I kind of like observe. You're on set, you can observe how things function, you know. And then if you want to be uh, somebody who shoots or does lighting and stuff, then uh, kind of like get people can mentor you into that area, you know. But for somebody who wants to shoot film or do something, just start shooting, yeah. you know. Right now, it's not like back in the day where you have to beg somebody for a platform. Just pick up. If you have a cell phone, as you say, just start shooting. Like you learn through your mistakes, you grow from your mistakes. You know, if you look at how I started out on Instagram and then you look at me, you can see my progression You know, <laughs> from where I started out and where I'm heading to. So I started that shooting, you know, and, um, and that's something I kind of had uh, the Hollywood uh, roundtable, Hollywood uh, reporter roundtable where the Moonlighting director Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name, but what he was saying is for a long time, he used to just do, he was an assistant uh, set producer and uh, he gave up, he just woke up one day and said, like, I want to be a filmmaker, then I need to start making film, you know? Yeah. So if you want to be an actor, start acting. If you want to be a filmmaker, start making film. Even if you're doing a nine to five, it's just, uh, you do your eight hours or 12 and then spend your next four hours focusing on your art, you know, or what you really want to do. I love that. Well, Martin Leroy, thank you again for uh, being on the show, sharing your perspective. I know that you will definitely be an inspiration to so many veterans who have been ignoring their calling into film behind the scenes and on camera. And I hope that they reach out to you. And again, that's at Martin Leroy on Instagram and just connect if they had questions. Again, I enjoyed your work only because it was so like I said, it, it had more romance in it than most things I view. It, it wasn't reality TV-esque. It was, and as you went deep with how you're capturing storytelling, it was a story. Each film, each scene had this rich 60-second story, which again is not the easiest thing to do, but you pulled it off. So thank you again for being on the show and connecting with the audience. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your Sunday. Thank you much, son. Thank you for having me. Bye. Right. Take care, Bye. Mom. Bye.